Hi, how are you? This is Gospel of Kennison, episode 135, brought to you the week of August 22nd, 2020. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. Welcome to my personal audio journal. Special thanks to Carrie Wright and Carrie Bernhardt and all of our patrons who support the show at patreon.com slash GOK. This episode is brought to you in part by a guy named Mick Zeroni and a comment that he left uh, as far as feedback on iTunes. Incredible value, he says. For James, this show might be his audio journal, but for me, it's almost going to church. Listening to what I deserve is almost a mini sermon, as are so many of his other episodes. Love you, James, and thanks for the shows. Big thanks for being real and helping me learn about depression and how to help those with it. Mick Zeroni. I believe I'm saying that username right. You never know. Well, he's he's referring to an episode that I did. Uh, it was episode 48, What I Deserve, May 16th, 2015. That was five years, three months, and six days ago. And I went back and listened to it. Because I couldn't remember what I said on such a thing. And for it to be called nearly a sermon, I was like, I got to find out what I accidentally said that was good enough to be a sermon, you know? And I, I did. I went back and listened to the whole thing. It's it's definitely sounds like a sermon. It's definitely not one, though, because uh, it kind of ramble. <laughs> so hopefully... I won't do too much of that here, but at the very end of the episode, um, I talk about the concept of, I feel like less of a Christian than I ever have, but yet I feel closer to God than I ever have. And then I said, but that's another subject for another podcast. And I thought, five years and three months and six days later would be a good time to maybe go ahead and fulfill that and uh, put it out there on the airwaves. So I'm not promising anything great or profound. I'm just going to go through like I do and kind of talk about how I feel about that because it is something that I still, I still relate to. I still would say, um, I also realized how little has changed in the last five years, as far as my life goes. I mean, we, we moved to St. Louis and, uh, we've done some good here, but, uh, I'm still depressed, still not doing great, still not as bad off as I was, um, so, so there have been changes, but not as many as I probably would like. And, and there are a lot of things that are the same that I wish weren't. Uh, most of them have to do with me and uh, how I'm put together these days. But what did I mean when I said I'm probably less of a Christian than I've ever been? Um, you know how we define Christianity. It's what it is in the Bible is someone 
believing in their heart and confessing with their mouth that, you know, God raised Jesus from the dead. It's a simple act of believing and confessing. But in reality, you know, in church and stuff, we put a lot more on it. And there's a lot more involved. Like Christians go to church, for instance, and my family doesn't go to a traditional church. We meet weekly with a small group of people. We have a pastor. But right now, for instance, we're watching The Chosen, which is a a series of uh, episodes that I had never heard of until David brought it up. And we're watching those and discussing them. Um, You know, no praise and worship time, no offering being gathered, no pews being sat in. It's actually happening at at my house on the living room floor in the couch on my TV. Christians also, you know, enjoy Christian music. I'm, I'm not a fan of any of it. I don't know any Christian artists right now. I couldn't name one except for like old stuff that I used to listen to like five iron frenzy. They're awesome. Um, I don't know the Christian authors that are popular right now. Uh, I, I don't pray formally as much as I used to. It's probably another thing. And when I, let me define that for you. I, I, I used to have time in the morning where I would sit down and, uh, had a journaling time and a praying time. And I did that. And, and I, I will, I will tell you the truth. It was a struggle. It was a lot of good that came of it. I journaling was probably better than the praying, but, um, I, I've never been much of a formal prayer, just sitting down and, and having a prayer time. But I will say that I pray more overall than I ever did before. And I can say that because I pray, I won't say constantly, but and I won't say consistently, but I will say that I do it with regularity, more regularity than I would in a formal sense. And I think it's a more real prayer time, you know, real prayers. They're, they're expressions of, of my heart and how I'm feeling. And I think people should pray more like that, to be honest, because I think we can make so much of prayer that it becomes a chore. As we sit down and we have our, our prayer time and we feel like we're praying for the same things over and over or we don't know what to pray for or we wonder if we're doing it right or doing it enough. Are we honoring God? Is he pleased with our words? And we can get so tripped up 
on the formality of it. And I may be completely off, but my prayers come and are said as I think of them. So when something comes to mind that I believe needs some prayer, I don't even stop what I'm doing. I just begin to pray inside my head. And if I'm alone, I'll whisper some words. Lately, I've been praying a lot for direction and guidance and the will of God in a situation. And uh, I don't sit down at a certain time every day and pray for this thing. Because for me, anyway, I, I think that would be less genuine. Sure, I'm sure there's some validity and and I'm sure you get some God points when you set aside a, a time and, and you pray daily, you know, and I know there's some religions that, you know, have you do it three times a day and, and Christians, we're not, you know, we're not even that disciplined. It's just, you know, once a day or something like that. Some people I've heard say you need to pray for an hour a day. Um, uh, there was a book that was on that and I tried that and in, in, it was uh, it was possible, but it became a chore. Uh, but yeah, I, I I pray differently than I did, and I think a lot of people would look at that and say that's less Christian than how you're supposed to do it. Um, I don't participate in in worship services or worship music for that matter. That definitely makes me less Christian. I couldn't tell you a current Christian pop song or worship song. Uh, I, I remember the old ones, you know, the ones that from when I was in church regularly. But we don't have a worship leader. And so we don't we don't sing. Every now and then David will play something from YouTube that I don't recognize, but we, it's not regularly enough to where I would memorize the songs. And when we do go to a real church, it's usually to hear David speak. Uh, they'll sing songs and sometimes I re recall them. And, but most of the time they're doing new stuff and I don't know it. I feel like an old man, <laughs> but I'm not crotchety about it. It's not like, I'm like, Oh, the old songs are, oh, they're so much better. You know, it's just that I'm not exposed to it. And, um, so formal worship isn't something I'm involved in. So that's definitely less Christian. Um, so, you know, we still tithe. We tithe to our church. If you don't know what tithing is, it's giving a 10th of your income to God. And you do that by putting it in a special envelope and throwing it up into the sky and it lands on the roof and God collects it uh, from the roof every day, every, every Sunday. That's what I used to think, but you give it to your pastor and, uh, and then there's a lot of rules and stuff about how it has to be spent. And uh, 
there's a lot of uh, stewardship that goes into how you spend money given to ministry. And I know that because I've been on the ministry side of things. But so we so we do that. So we're Christians that way. We've always been faithful givers, though. I'm I'm not bragging. It's just true. And if there's anything to brag about, that would be about the only thing I could. Um. So, you know, I don't know. In some ways, maybe we're more Christian than most Christians in that way. Because I don't know. But I don't think a lot of people tithe like they should. They probably don't. Um, some people don't even believe that you have to. But I I do it just in case you have to. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not a theologian enough to where I could just sit there and tell you that, yeah, it's not just an old testament concept, it's a new testament concept as well. You know, I have no scriptures that come to mind that prove one way or the other. I'm just one of those guys that's like, you know what? It it sounds like a good plan to put God first in your finances. And so the first check we write out is to the church. And uh, there, there have been blessings attached to the way we give. And, um, you know, the church is definitely blessed by it. And, and it's important when you go to a little church that, that you are a giver. Because <laughs> um, if you don't give, nobody, I mean, the church can't function it, it, it ain't like you can just skate by like in a big church where maybe 20% tithe, you know, and the rest of them just skate on that 20% money, you know, get this, get to suck up that air conditioning and pick up those hymnals that they didn't help pay for. You can't do that in a little church. So I don't know. So maybe we're Christians off after all. I, I'm, I'm not real sure. Um, But when I say that I feel closer to God than ever before, that is something that's just as true now than it, than it was back then. And I meant not that I have earned God points or that I am floating in this haze of God's presence all the time. I don't, I don't know what it means to everybody when I say I feel closer to God. But to me, it means I have a better understanding, I think, of God than I used to. And I think I've come to realize that a lot of the things that we attach to Christianity as a requirement, as a you must do this to be saved, there aren't a lot of those that God actually attaches on there. It's just stuff we've attached So there's a lot of false beliefs that I held at one point that I do not hold anymore. And if you go back and listen to uh, what I deserve in the GOK archives, you'll hear a lot about that kind of thing where I used to believe in a God that would reward you for good behavior and keep bad things from you when you behave a certain way. I no longer believe that. I believe that bad things can happen to anyone at any time. 
And especially after reading through the Old Testament like I did recently, um, bad things happening to good people is a normal thing. It's, it's, it's exactly normal. <laughs> it happens a lot. Because we live in a world that doesn't like good people. So for some reason, it seems to be set up to punish goodness. And people that are harmless and hopeful and loving and obedient and put others first, they're the ones that get stepped on the most and get made fun of and get drug out and, and hurt. It's just the way it is. And and I listened to my old podcast and I realized there were just so many words I was trying to not say. Like I was trying not to say that God does allow bad things to happen. I was trying to soften that blow. But now I believe that so fiercely. Because... So much of what happens in our life is just life. It's just life happening. And sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do. Many times it has nothing to do with God or the devil. It has to do with life. Just existing, just breathing, just taking up space on this planet. You know, but there are some people that are more Christian than me. I, I I heard a guy named Jerry one time. He told me I was going to get a 7-Up. But God told me not to get a 7-Up, to get a Sprite instead. So I got a Sprite. And I'm like, okay. All right. First of all, glad that God's talking to you about your soda preferences. Because he don't talk to me at all. And... Uh, you apparently have some sort of connection with him that not only is he speaking to you casually, uh, he's also directing your path on a micromanagement level that I would be jealous of. I want, I, I would love to know what God wants me to do in every single situation. Cause then I could just instantly do it and I would never have to worry about my soul's place in eternity <laughs> like I do right now as, the, as I walk the type, the tight wire of, 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 uh, the, the straight and narrow path that God has laid out before me that I can only seem to see one step at a time of as God's word is a lamp to my feet, not to my whole path. But Jerry was a crazy person that still took drugs while he was Christian. So maybe he was lying or maybe he did hear God. I don't know. I, I tend to think he was just really confused, but I, I will say that I also, um, do a lot less sinning than I used to. Um, I won't go into great detail because my sins are private. <laughs> Nobody wants to tell their sins. But uh, I, I can say, honestly, 
that the purposeful sins, I, I don't know about the accidental ones, you know, the ones that just happen, just being a butt to somebody, um, having a bad thought in the car because somebody cuts you off, you know, those kind of things. I'm still on par with everybody else. I'm sinning like crazy. I'm sure of it. But as far as the sins that I used to do willfully and knowing they were wrong, I'm definitely way down on those. So, you know, when I say I feel closer to God, um, it's not only that I have a deeper or I feel a more accurate understanding of who God is. I'm also, um, living a life that is honoring God more than it once did. Heard someone say that you can tell how much you love God by how much grace you use. And I have found that I use much more grace than I ever did. Um, just trying to be good than I ever did when I was just being bad. And it sounds backwards, but it's true. When I was being bad, I used God's grace on the sly, you know, just I took advantage of it. But now I depend on it because I realize that I'm no good, that my, that my lack of sinning doesn't make me a better person. I'm still just as uh, sad <laughs> and, and uh, predisposed to sinful uh, desires as I ever was. I just don't choose to act on them as much. And, and that I use his grace. It's not that I've become a better person. It's that I rely on his grace to help me to say no when I used to say yes. So I can tell how much I love God by how much grace I use. And it is a lot more than it used to be when I was being bad. Does that make sense? I say I have a different understanding about God and uh, that is true because I always heard people say that Santa, God's not Santa. God's not an old man up in the sky that you just ask for things. And I always thought I didn't believe that, but I did. I, I somehow still did. I didn't, I would have, I would have bristled at the idea if someone had told me, but I did, you know, believe that, that God was up there with a, with a little book somehow keeping track of who's being good and who's being bad. And, and I was, I was in his good list because I was doing well and I was doing God's will for my life. And I was in ministry and I was serving and I was praying regularly and I was studying the Bible every week, which is another thing I don't do as much of because I don't have sermons to prepare every week. But I had never read through the Old Testament in its completion or the Bible in its completion. And that's something I'm working on now. I've, I've read through the Old Testament. I'm working my way through the New Testament. Uh, I'm not as rabid about the New Testament as I am the Old Testament because I've read through enough of it to where I feel like, you know, I, I don't need to consume it all at one time. But um, 
And plus, I, I feel like I have to, speaking of consuming, I feel like I have to take it slower. I read part of it and then let it sit with me for a while. But I do not believe that Santa exists up in the sky. <laughs> he he is the God of the Old Testament. And I believe he still is. The God of the Old Testament was a, let's see. All right, let me see if I can just be descriptive here. He was a creative God, uh, a God that created life, a God that was um, had a plan for that life, gave that life free will, and um, was very jealous to keep that life focused on him. He wanted Adam and Eve, uh, well, actually, originally Adam, um, until he realized Adam needed a companion. That I, I don't. I, I kind of see that as a afterthought. Not that women are second class subjects. Don't hear it that way. I just hear it that if you take it literally, you can almost say that God assumed that he would be enough for Adam. And that he realized, no, he needs, he needs a companion. He needs a relationship. He needs more. And if anything, that lifts women um, up in my book, big time. Um, I believe that the relationship that they created is the image of God that um, that we see in God, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But anyway, somebody who is uh, uh, more feminist would would say, yeah, you're you're still attaching their value to um, the, what they brought to a, a man, but it's not how I mean it. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just, just take it for what it is and let me move on with my podcast. Don't be over, overly critical as I assume almost all of you are, even though you're not, you're awesome. Um, but God, I believe of the old Testament is, uh, a jealous God who, wanted to make a covenant with a certain group of people, which he did. And then he got really, really mad when they screwed it up. He had laws he wanted them to follow. He, he had ways he wanted them to do things and they didn't always do it. And he spent a lot of books of the Bible threatening them, threatening their lives and just an angry, angry God. And then we, we often say, well, the God of the New Testament is different. And that's because we experience him through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. And, But I still believe that the Father has gone unchanged. Um, I don't know. I read the Bible and, and Jesus is our, um, he, he's our intercessor. The Bible says it in several places that he intercedes on our behalf. 
even even the phrase from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, is an example of God, of Jesus interceding for us, saying, you know, God, I know this makes you mad. They're crucifying your son. You probably want to reach down and lightning bolt the whole lot of them, like not just the ones that are doing it, but like everybody for all a time and eternity in every direction, you want to destroy them, but please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You've been treating them as if they are doing what they're doing uh, on purpose to hurt you and to malign you, but they don't know what they're doing. They're clueless and stupid and they need all the help they can get. And that's what I'm trying to do here is die for their sins so that there can be some sort of payment for what they've done. But don't take it out on them because they don't know what they're doing. And that's one of the understandings that I have about God that makes me really appreciate what Christ did so much more. I used to hear pastors talk about the image of the cross and how it made them feel, you know, seeing Christ on a cross, the whole idea of Calvary. And I had heard this story so many times, to be honest, I was desensitized to the image, to the idea. But now when I look at Calvary and I look at the, the, what Jesus did, when I understand what he's protecting me from, and the part of God that came down to earth and experienced life as a man and got it and understood it for the first time, really understood what it was like to be human and how ridiculous it was in some respects to expect us to be able to hold the standards that God was holding us to. I see Jesus Christ as a protector, as, as that lawyer, that intercessor that is constantly reminding God that, no, I died for them. You need to have mercy on them. God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So... The image of Christ on a cross is everything to me now. Obviously, his resurrection and all that. If, I, if I'm a proper Christian, I have to place that above it. But the sacrifice and the pain that he went through, to me, means so much more than the victory that he had over death, even though that was so much a part of it. Just right now where I'm at, the crucifixion stands out the strongest and we don't even celebrate it. And how could we, you know, how could we, we I don't, I, I'm so glad we don't. I know we had good Friday and in, in, in that we do that, you know, thank God we don't have some sort of, uh, cause you know, it would get secularized and there would be some sort of animal that would be put in it. I mean, that's what we did with Easter, you know, it's, it's like uh, Jim Gaffigan says, let's, you know, it's resurrection. Let's put some bunnies in there and some eggs and, and, you know, all that. It makes sense. We'll have kids hunt for them. We'll hide them. It has, it's, it's about Jesus rising from the dead, you know. Um, 
but Christ's crucifixion hasn't been done that way, and it's it's a good thing. Um, but it also means that I am desperate to live a life of obedience. Because though I believe we've been freed from the quote-unquote curse of the law, I still believe obedience is everything to God. And though we're not saved by works, our outward actions is how we prove what we believe. And faith without works is dead. And your beliefs, you can believe them all you want, but if they don't come out in your actions and in your behaviors and in your thought life, then all they are are empty beliefs. Simply speaking, if I believe that I'm supposed to stop at a stop sign because it's safe for me to do so, but I refuse to stop at stop signs, then my belief is empty, fruitless, and will not protect me at all. So though I would never say that works save us, I would say that they have a place in salvation. In the same way that I started this podcast by saying salvation was believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, there's an element there that is simple belief. But the second part is a work, an action, confessing with my mouth. Belief in the heart's not quite enough. I have to confess it. And I would say the same goes for faith. Is my reaction to what God has done for me used to be legalism, you know, formal prayer time, formal reading time, formal religious services, They used to be surface and simple things. And now I want my entire life to be an act of obedience to God. Not not a bunch of rules and regulations, but to find out what honors him and what makes God's sacrifice of his son worthwhile. I don't know if that makes as much sense as I want it to. I I basically said I I used to, I, I, I may not be a Christian as much as I used to be because I don't do these formal things, but I feel like in some ways I'm more of a Christian than I used to be because now my prayers are, are, there's a desperation to them because my prayers are so different than they used to be. I, I pray for God to work in me and to change me and to change life around me. I pray for my city pray for my family. I pray for my friends. I pray for God's will to be known. And I'm desperate to have these prayers answered. They're not 
little prayers that I used to pray that sister so-and-so would feel better and that, you know, we would make a profit by on selling our home. You know, it's not self-centered stuff like that anymore. It's deeper. And I don't waste his time with a lot of words. There's a scripture that talks about, don't use a lot of words like, like people do. I keep my prayers simple and to the point these days. They don't take a lot of time. And therefore, I don't feel as bad about repeating them. Actually, I don't feel bad at all. Because it's like, if you haven't gotten around to uh, listen, not hearing, um, if you haven't gotten around to answering it yet, then I definitely don't feel bad about bugging you about it some more. Because the scripture is clear that we're supposed to bug God with our prayers the same way that the widow bugged the unjust judge in the Bible. If you're not familiar with that story, it's basically there was a judge and he said he wasn't going to listen to this one lady and her needs. Um, but she kept coming back and he got so sick of her being there. He says, I'm going to listen to her and, and, and hear her case not because I'm a good judge and not because I like her or anything has changed about me. I'm going to do it just to get her out of my hair. And that's the way God has told us to bug him about prayer. So if you feel like you pray over the same things all the time, uh, you're doing it right. So anyway, I'm desperate to have a life of obedience. I want to serve God. And that's why so many of my podcasts on GOK have been about purpose. Because as of yet, I still don't feel like I have much of a purpose. I mean, I got my wife. I got my kids. I, I serve them. I drive them places. I do chores, the odd jobs around the house that need to be done. But as of yet, I'm not in a place mentally that I can be reliable enough to function in a job or in ministry even. Everything to do with ministry right now is like a thing that stresses me out so much I can't function. It's my anxiety that kicks up. And I want to so bad. You know, we were doing the children's services um, at, at, at my church. You guys might remember that. Uh, we had done four of them, and then the coronavirus thing hit and wiped us out, and and people all over the country are find our churches all over the country are finding it very hard to do children's ministry. I've only seen one children's pastor friend of mine that has recently started to do children's services again. Um, you know, trying to follow CDC guidelines and stuff like that. So I am capable of doing ministry. I am capable of functioning in in some of those areas when I have the support around me that I had, because that was definitely not just me doing all that. It was a lot of people, a lot of everybody in the church 
was involved. And my friend David and boss David and my pastor David um, was doing a lot of the heavy lifting for that, you know, inviting kids and doing the, the legwork of knocking on doors and giving rides when they needed them and things like that. And all I had to do was was show up and, and teach. So my desperation for purpose comes from my new understanding of who God is and what Christ has done to protect me from God. Because I've said before on this podcast that uh, when I read the Old Testament, what I really realized is that um, Jesus Christ came to save us from the penalty for sin, and the penalty for sin was given and handed down by God, not the devil. And my understanding of God is is a lot different, and I think I think it would work a lot better for for non Christians to understand God the way I do, because I, I know God loves us and I know he created us and all that kind of stuff, but he hates sin. He hates it so much um, because he sees it as a personal attack against him. It's like he created us. So we belong to him. Uh, obedience is our, is our supposed to be our natural uh, response to knowing him. And when we don't obey, and we do things that hurt ourselves, he gets angry. Um, we, we have a habit these days of portraying God as a loving God, and then non-Christians say, well, how does a loving God send people to hell? And then we can't even answer that. Because maybe, maybe God is a loving God, but God is also an angry God. A God that's upset with mankind for rejecting his ways and rejecting his son. The Bible says that God wants everyone to come into faith, that, that he wants everyone and he loves everyone. But... Uh, I know God wants to be pleased as well. And he's pleased when people obey him. And I want to be one of those people. And so maybe I am less of a Christian than I used to be because I don't do a lot of the things that I used to do. But on the other hand, I feel closer to God than I ever have because I feel like I understand him more and I understand what he wants and he doesn't want so much my sacrifices of praise and my sacrifice of prayer time and my sacrifice of church regular church attendance. These things are great and all, but what he really wants is my obedience. He wants my love. He wants me to appreciate what he's done for me. And I do so much more than I ever have before. I get it. I don't, I don't know all about God. I'm not saying I got him all figured out. I'm just saying I got some more figured out. 
and I had some of it wrong. So I will end this kind of by saying that I'm still falling short in many ways that I don't feel like my life is uh, a life of complete obedience to God. Um, I don't feel like a super Christian. But um, I think I'm okay. I think God's grace is, is enough for me in this phase of my life that has lasted over five years now with very little change and I'm hopeful that things will change. Um, I, I don't know. I've been teasing you a little bit here and there, but I, I feel like I need to go ahead and put it out there. I've talked about a prayer request that I've been having and, and it's been a prayer for um, guidance and direction. And it's actually been prayer for guidance and direction for a friend of mine. Um, his name is David. You know him if you've listened to me enough. He's my mentor and friend and and pastor, and, and uh, we've known each other for a very, very long time. We moved here to be a part of his ministry, and he is being asked to take over a church in the area. And I don't know what God's will is about this. And the way I pray about it is I just pray God's will be done, but... What I would like to see happen is I would like to see him take the church because I could help him. I could find a place to, to have a purpose in a more traditional church setting. It may not work out. It may not happen. It may not be the will of God. It may not be the right thing. So I'm holding it loosely. And I am definitely praying that God's will be done and that, that David will hear from God and that the people at the church will hear from God because it could be the greatest thing in the world. Um, and then it could be the worst thing in the world if it's, if it's the wrong thing, you know, because um, I've been hurt in a church setting, you know. And, but these people, they seem really, 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 really different. The leadership that's still there. Uh, I mean, to not go too, too deep into too many details. There was a pastor that they had that had a moral failure. And that's why there's a church, there's an opening there, but it was a moral failure that he came forward about, which I think is super awesome. And I bet that if a lot of pastors were honest, they would have to come forward as well with the same issue. But he was asked to step down, obviously, and, and he's going through a recovery process that is part of what our denomination requires. But the people didn't want him to go, and the, the board members didn't want him to leave. And I love that about him because in my last church, when 
I was struggling. And when I needed understanding and compassion and I needed some time to get my crap together, there was no mercy. There was only questions like, are you even called to be here? And uh, I think I could work for a church like that. That allowed broken people to be loved. And uh, so anyway, there you go. Now there's your little reward, <laughs> your little Easter egg for listening as you get to know uh, something deeply personal in my life right now that's going on. And I want to share it with you because I want you to be there if it works out. I want you to celebrate with me. And if it doesn't, I want to be able to talk about it because I will be um, obviously, you know, uh, I'll be sad. I'll be really sad because I'm hoping to get my purpose here, you know, but again, I don't know. I don't know if it's the right thing. I'm not God. I don't know if it's right or wrong or even if it's an issue of right and wrong, it just could be, it's not appropriate, you know, or it's not the right time or it's, it's just the wrong person for the wrong job. But anyway, so there we are. I will finish it here. I am less of a Christian than I've ever been, but I feel closer to God than I ever have. And that's about that. And it took only took me five years to get around to it. Um, I want to thank Carrie Wright and Carrie Bernhardt again uh, for for your giving on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash GOK. You know, five bucks a month, something like that would be awesome. Uh, your support means the world. Uh, but thank you just for listening. And uh, you've heard me call you my my 300 or so folks and i i don't know why you why you listen um but i'm glad you do and it means a lot so thank you for listening to this and uh i will talk to you next time right here on the gok god bless